Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Rome Floyd Chamber Small Business Spotlight. We are broadcasting from the Hardy Realty Studios, and we work in cooperation with the Rome News Tribune. I'm Roger Manus with Rome Business Radio. And I am Eric Collins with the Rome Floyd Chamber. And our guest today, Roger, we have Steve Dennis with Motivation Unlimited, Brian McDaniel with Blood Assurance, and Cassandra Wheeler with Southern Gas Company. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. And first off, I got to say, Eric, props on the voice, man. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you. You might have a little competition today when, oh, yes. when, when Steve gets going, but uh, sometimes it's, it's interesting to hear ourselves speak, but when I hear somebody else with just a great radio voice, it's just, uh, um, anyway, uh, ladies first, how are you, Cassandra? I'm doing really well. Thank you. How okay. You? I'm, I'm just hunky-dory, as we say down south. Maybe they say it in other parts of the country as well, but I don't care. Um, now, you're a long time, long time Chamber of Commerce, heavily involved person. Um, so thank you for being here on, on behalf of the chamber, but your background is with the Southern company and Georgia power. We were just joking before we got started, but now you went to the gas side. That is correct. <laughs> so, uh, you didn't have to change your phone number or <laughs> none of that. Nope. For 21 years, I've had the same, um, work cell phone number. <laughs> <laughs> did you even, did you have to move offices? I, I will. Yes. Yeah. My office has changed. <laughs> yes. Um, so just tell us a little bit about what it is you do at your new job. So in my new job, I am with supply chain management, and our responsibility is to ensure that we are procuring and having contracts with the right suppliers to ensure that we're spending the company's money um, correctly, essentially, and and to also ensure that we have a diverse supplier mix for for our supplier base. So that's with contractors, suppliers, um, with all of the materials that we purchase that that's the bulk of my job. And on so on the chamber side, when you got how, how long have you been involved with the Rome Floyd Chamber? So with the Rome Floyd Chamber, I became involved when I was a plant manager here at Plant Hammond um, in 2016 is when I became a member of the chamber, and then I switched over to external affairs with Georgia Power. And from that time in 2017 until last year, I, I've been on the board of directors. And last year, I was the chair for the Chamber of Commerce. Right. So uh, I, I remember that, of course. Um, okay, well, we'll circle back around. Um, let's say hello to Brian with Blood Assurance. Hi, Brian. Hi. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Uh, tell us a little bit about Blood Assurance. Well, Blood Assurance is turning 50 years old this year. Um, Blood Assurance was started in Hamilton County up in um, Chattanooga area. And uh, we um, uh, became members of... Uh, the Rome community about 21 years ago and actually uh, put our first office in Rome 20 years ago this year. Well, happy anniversary. So, um, <laughs> and we've, we've been basically in the same location, in the same shopping center that we're in now. We're right behind uh, the Truett's Chick-fil-A next to the Longhorn there. So very easy for people to find. Um, <laughs> we, that's actually, a, I'm sorry to interrupt you. That's a running joke on this podcast. <laughs> People always give directions in relation to restaurants. That's right. <laughs> People know where they're at. Um, but we're the sole source uh, blood supplier to um, both uh, Redmond and to Floyd. Um, so we, we provide all the blood products that go to those hospitals and it's collected through local donations. So you are the place where people will come and, and, and donate. Absolutely. So um, we, we look for blood donors every day. Um, we, we need about 300 or 350 blood donors a day just to meet the needs of our hospitals. Wow. Um, and so, um, you know, that, and that includes the local hospitals here in that number. 
So how, how are you monetized? Well, how we're monetized is um, what we do is we, we're a nonprofit. Um, we, in turn, charge a small fee to the, to the hospitals for the products that we process. And this processing fee um, pays for our staff, pays for our buses, pays for our, our locations, sure. those kind of things. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a, a, very, a very modest fee. In fact, we're the lowest priced blood center in the entire country right now. Right. But, yeah, even nonprofit, the money has to flow because there are expenses, of course. Uh, all right. Well, we'll circle back around and let's say hello to Steve Dennis from Motivation Unlimited, who's going to get us fired up. <laughs> Hi, Steve. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your business. Well, um, Motivation Unlimited is a business I started in 2009 and uh, basically with the uh, intent on inspiring positive change. As a result, I joined the John Maxwell team. So I'm also a certified member of his team as well as where I teach, speak and coach. And with that organization, what we basically do, we train leaders and help leaders to become more effective, in turn, helping to also transform their teams as well. Okay, that's some big picture stuff. So yep. like, give me some specifics. How might you do that? I do that through uh, a process called Launch and Learns, where I go into a company and kind of do like a 45-minute to an hour workshop to kind of show them exactly what we do. After that, we have a formal conversation after that where we go back in and see if we can come back and do some work specifically that will um, actually meet the particular needs that that company may be having. So in an in a interesting way, it, it's almost like a company self-analyzing. Yes. You come in externally, kind of analyze from outside and say, yes. hey, here's some places where we can tweak, improve, absolutely. change, and helps them to grow. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And tell us a lunch and learn. What is that? That's a free, again, a free training that I do where I go in. And, and again, sometimes lunch is served, sometimes it's not. But I go in basically for 45 minutes to an hour and do like a small snippet of what that overall training would be. Almost like you try before you buy. And what is your background? You said you started it in 09. Yeah. In 09. Yeah. My background, I'm a former juvenile probation officer as well. Yeah. Did we, did you do a podcast with me on zoom? Dude, I think I did. During the pandemic. Yes, I've done, I I'm, I'm meeting so many people face to face now that right. I had met via zoom. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I remembered that. So okay. yeah, I'm sorry. Keep going. You were juvenile probation officer, which must be interesting. It was absolutely. And the judge and I are you know, to this day, we're still good friends. Okay. But back then uh, we were running buddies every Tuesday and Thursday morning, we get up at five 30 and go jog about 10 miles so on purpose, on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> so we're real good friends. But what had happened one day, a, a defining moment showed up for me because I had a client who had done some pretty tough things. And, um, but he also had shared with me about being abused when he was nine years old. So I have to be honest with you. He kind of pulled at my, my, my heartstrings a little bit. Um, and I, there's some things I did not turn in about his violation of probation. And my good friend, who was the judge, uh, again, we're good friends, but yet and still in that court case, he said to me, and I won't use all the words he, that he used <laughs> on this podcast, but he said to me, he said, Steve Dennis, if I ever find out that you withhold information like that from me again, I'm going to lock your, you up. <laughs> and that was a defining moment for me because it dawned on me that my heart was starting to get more involved with the kids and I was losing that desire to always having to lock them up. And I asked myself, could I be more inspirational by sharing with them, persuading them and talking with them instead of locking them up? So it was a defining moment for me to, to actually ask myself, what else am I called to do in this life? Uh, yeah, gear just just switched. Yes, and, absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, Eric, join us from the chamber. And Eric, you're relatively new to the chamber. You've been on the podcast before. Oh, yeah. how, how's it going in your new capacity? No, it's going really well, Roger. And um, 
since the last time we I was on the podcast, we've had annual meeting, which went really well. Um, emerged our high school leadership program. We're actually selecting those participants on this Friday. And then with Leadership Rome, um, their deadline for the applications is next Friday, June 10th. So we'll, we're getting our participants in, getting them locked in, and then we're going to start rolling in August. Yeah, refresh my memory and our listeners' memory. What is your title? Director of Programs. And that includes Leadership Rome and leadership some of these Rome. other things. So, so uh, we're, where were we in the process when you took over? Did you kind of just have to jump in? Yeah, I jumped in two feet, two hands, all body <laughs> in the deep end. So, yeah, and it's been a lot of fun. And you're, you're born and raised here, right? Yes, I yeah. am. Uh, and former basketball coach. I'm yeah. remembering all this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so, but the chamber is what connected you. And that's, that's the beauty of this podcast is we, we want to create connections and share stories. Because, um, Cassandra, what is your background? You said you'd been with the Southern Company for a while, but where are you from originally and what's your background? So I grew up in Mobile, Alabama. I was born in Detroit, Michigan. After graduating from high school in Mobile, I joined the Air Force. So I served six years in the United States Air Force. Thank you for your service. Thank you. And I separated to honorably to um, attend college to become an, an engineer. So I got a scholarship to University of Cincinnati and I pursued a degree in electrical engineering, which I, I got and after graduating, I worked for the Mead Corporation in Dayton, Ohio, for a couple of years. And then a friend of mine who worked for Alabama Power at the time called and said that there was a position becoming available because he was leaving it. He thought I'd be a good fit. And I started my career in 2001 with Alabama Power. And so I've been kind of back and forth between Alabama and Georgia over the last 21 years, moving six times. Right, I was going to say, when, when, did, when did Rome cross your path? So in 2014, right. I became the plant manager at Plant Hammond. Right. And, and I've been in Rome ever since. Well, I can just tell from your background and your education and your job description from earlier, you are way smarter than me. Oh. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just I, when wow. your job description was like, oh, okay. I, yeah, I, I talk on podcasts and I, I, I do TV sports in Atlanta. I go to ball games for free, you know. So um, where were you stationed in the, in the Air Force? Yeah, Grand Force, North Dakota. So my, um, my technical experience was um, B-1 bomber avionics, and that technical training was long. It was a long training, 10 months, in Denver, Colorado, Lowry Air Force Base. And after that, I went to Grand Forks, and that's where I spent the rest of my career. So you've bounced all over the country growing up and working. Good for you. That's, uh, that's, um, some people are born and raised, and some people bounce around. Brian, what is your background, Brian? Well, <clears throat> I was – I actually grew up in Dallas, Texas, or just south of Dallas, and uh, I joined the military, joined the Army. Thank you for your um, service. <laughs> so I spent uh, five years in the Army, and uh, my last duty station was in Alaska, and um, I was looking to, to get out. And so Erlanger Medical Center in Chattanooga was hiring. And so I came to Chattanooga, looked around, said, well, looks about as much like Alaska as any place I've been in the United States. And so I moved to Chattanooga. Um, so I lived in Chattanooga for a year and then I migrated into Georgia after that and, and have, uh, have lived in Georgia ever since. So when, and when did you get started at blood assurance? I started with blood assurance five years ago in, in my current capacity as a um, operations director, but, um, I would previously had served as a, um, on advisory boards with blood assurance. And we have advisory boards in all of our communities. We have one here in Rome, uh, we meet quarterly, um, usually at Provino's, um, because, so, because it's in the same parking yeah, lot. Well, <laughs> and, and people love the food, and, yeah. it's, and 
quite frankly, it's inexpensive. So, you right, know, right, right, right. <laughs> um, and so, uh, um, so I, so I was actually, uh, on advisory board with blood assurance when the, when the uh, first blood center opened here in, in Rome in 2000, uh, 2002. So uh, you had mentioned earlier was that if I'm remembering the number correctly, 300, 350, you need 350 yeah. donations oh, per day. Yes, that's correct. Are you getting that? Um, there are some days we are and some days we're not. Um, we, we're running about, on average, a day and a half supply of blood um, to stay ahead. So um, you can imagine by that that um, that puts us in some pretty precarious situations sometimes, especially um, you heard of the, the shootings in Chattanooga this past weekend where six people were shot. And so um, the large num- large amount of blood was used for that. And so it really takes us a time to get to build that back up when things like that happen. Um, so one of the things that we've done proactively is we joined another group um, uh, called Burke, um, and uh, that group is a group of like-minded blood centers across the country. Um, 45% of the blood centers across the country are, are community blood centers like ours. And so what, what we've done is the, that, those blood centers have joined together, and, and we support each other. So if something major happens in one of our communities, um, the Uvalde uh, shootings in, in Texas – um, shootings here in Chattanooga, we can activate that Burke group if we need help. And those other centers will, will send us blood to help us get over that hump um, until we can, uh, so that we have the blood products we need. And uh, again, I did a little bit of Googling on websites. Uh, there are different blood types. There are. There's pop, there's, I don't know if the word is popular, but there's also rare. Yes. So, uh, do y'all determine all that when it comes in y'all or do you, does the hospital do that? Oh, absolutely. We do all of that the processing. Um, so, and- so what we do is when we receive a unit of blood, um, it goes to our headquarters in Chattanooga. We have a lab there. Our lab processes it. They determine the blood type. Um, they determine um, if there's any issues with the blood that uh, might preclude it from being given to somebody. We do um, a slew of um, communicable diseases, um, HIV, HTLV, one and two, um, the hepatitis, syphilis, you know, the uh, different uh, Zika. So we're looking for things that can be transmitted through the blood, and we're trying to weed those things out. Um, and we do, and we do all those tests in duplicate as well. So they're done in a, on a form called NAT testing, which is nucleic acid testing, and then they're done through an ELISA method, which is a, um, and the NAT testing can actually pick up things before somebody even knows they have it. Um, so. So before the antibodies have even formed, the NAT testing can pick that up. So it, it is becoming more and more obvious to me that I'm the dumbest guy in this room. <laughs> Just everybody here is so smart with their jobs and their careers. Uh, Steve, um, you had touched on the fact that you kind of got inspired about not wanting to lock up mm-hmm. but motivate. But that was at the juvenile. But does your current business deal with mentoring, or are you are you just all about going in and teaching, talking leadership with businesses and adults and all that? Yes, probably ninety nine percent of it is with businesses. Yeah. So so like, what are some of the big picture lessons that people may just is it just people have formed their own habits and some of them are good and some of them are bad? Correct. And they just they're kind of unaware. Yeah. Like, what are some of the some some of the more obvious things that you notice that people may be oblivious to? Well, number one, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And it Oh, say that top. again. That's profound. Yeah. Say that again. <laughs> yeah. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Okay. And oftentimes people um, have a somewhat of a misunderstanding of what, of what leadership really is. So my job is to go in and to help people to really identify the real definition of leadership 
And on top of that, to help to show them what their leadership model is and how to also execute that in, in, in regards to leading their team. Do you have a military background? I do not. <laughs> but but uh, some of that leadership seems transcendent from the military, does it not? Uh, it does, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I just watched a recent documentary on Teddy Roosevelt. Okay. And yeah. – um, the San Juan, the charge up San Juan Hill in his own memoirs, which they, they narrate. He talks about, I knew I had to go first. Right. Right. (laughs) Uh, It was, it was kind of that leadership by example. And none of them thought they were going to come back down that hill alive. Right. Right. But, but, uh, and he was on a horse. He was the only one on a horse and he was an officer. So he was an obvious target and he had bullets graze him. Yeah. But (laughs) he, you know, he lived to become president, of course. Exactly. So that's obviously just a historical example of leadership. But are there, are there examples you can point, that you point to in society today? Do you, do you say, hey, here's a, a good example of something? Or I do from people- time to time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, when I'm teaching on personality, di- um, uh, di- different types of personalities. There we go. Uh huh. I kind of point out different uh, styles of leading with that in regards to that. For an example, um, you take like um, I'm certified to also do the DISC personality profile assessment. And this stands for, the D stands for uh, dominant personality, the I, an inspiring, the S, a steady and supportive personality style. And the, the C is a cautious type style. So oftentimes what I would do, I will point out different leaders who might represent each one of those different uh, personality styles to kind of make a, to make a point about leadership. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. Is, is all of this sounding familiar to you guys in sure. your, the way you, yes. so, like, like, so how many people are work for you, Cassandra? Um, so directly, I have four reports. Okay. And then each of them have, on average, four reports. Okay. So on a, on like on a day-to-day basis, what are you most focused on in, in your job? So, for instance, today we were on a call regarding a contract for a project that's being done and how some material was acquired and ensuring that the parts are correct and reliable. And there was there was an issue with one of the parts. And so we got to uh, contact the supplier to ensure that they are compliant to ensure that we're getting. So so with gas, you can't have anything that is going to um, weaken the system like because you don't want a gas leak. Right. And so all parts have to be up to compliance. There can't be anything that will potentially cause a gas leak. So everything has to be exactly what our standards say they are supposed to be. Otherwise, they go back. Uh, We can't complete the project unless everything is what they're supposed to be. But that's just, so that was material. But Yesterday, there was a question about a contract. So it just, it just depends on the day. No two days are alike. Right. So you're, you're, not on the, you're not on the forward-facing customer side. You're kind of in a, how everything works to make sure it works properly for you guys and the customer. That's uh, I guess in your business, you know, we, it's, it's like I, I use another sports analogy. I'm sorry. You don't want to pay attention to the referees uh, or you don't want to, you know, the offensive linemen to get noticed. Uh, we just want our gas and our power to show up, don't we? Yes, that is correct. <laughs> and it, when it gets interrupted, then we start making noise, don't we? That all the time. <laughs> um, so, like – do you ever have to deal with those headaches only if it comes through something that so, a supplier screwed up or something? Right. So when I was the regional director for external affairs here in Rome, um, 
I interfaced with our elected officials and our oh, customers. Oh, I, I bet that was fun. It was, actually. <laughs> I enjoyed my job. I did. It was really the best job that I've had. Oh, good but um, so interfacing with our elected officials and our customers and then engaging with um, our local officials, right, and just to ensure that our brand remains strong, Georgia Power, the Georgia Power brand remains strong, and to respond to any issues that we have locally. And so since we no longer have a business office in Rome, anywhere, any, anytime anybody saw the sign outside of our building for Georgia Power, they came in to ask the question. And so we became the conduit, if you will, for Georgia Power to customer service. And so in that role, I was interfacing with our customers directly. And anytime we had a power outage and it was, you know, major, we would contact our elected officials to let them know what the status was because the press picks it up and we want to ensure that everyone understands that we're on top of it and we have an estimated time of completion to have the power back on. Right. Um, Yeah, because that's sometimes we understand bad weather, you know, it's going to happen, but okay. When, when, when is my power coming? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and so much of that is done technically now where you can find out, you know, on an app or online, it's very, very helpful. That's right. Um, so I, I'd like you to put your chamber hat back on for just a minute. What just big picture, you've obviously been involved in the chamber for a while, but some people may be listening who aren't from our community and they're maybe considering doing business here. Um, just talk about the benefits of the chamber and the networking and the connectivity and things like that. So we had a membership campaign um, last year during which we went over a thousand, 1,000 members um, in, during that campaign. And some of the selling points were for our new members that the chamber had the ability to educate and inform in ways that the normal small business may not be aware of. For instance, the PPP loan during the pandemic was cumbersome. For a lot of people, they didn't know what to do, where to go, the type of information that they needed to complete the loan application process. And the chamber availed itself. The doors remained open. The phones continued to be answered in an effort to ensure that people were made aware of what was available for them to to do to in order to gain these loans or obtain these loans. And I know that several organizations benefited as a result of that information. And that's just one way. Legislation is another thing that the chamber does. Um, we've, since I've been a member, we've traveled to Washington, D.C. every other year um, just to talk to our Congress people in, in Washington, D.C. and in other organizations to benefit things like the airport, to, to talk about, you know, expanding highways, you know, to gain access to grants because some of our elected officials have that kind of access. Those are the kind of things that the chamber is doing and people may not be aware of, and it benefits the entire community. Well, and even the street level stuff, the ribbon cuttings and the, the, just the, the meetings and the, the various ways you can just meet and connect with the people who are doing business right down the street from you. And you might end up doing business together, correct? That is absolutely correct. The business after hours events is an opportunity to network 
Um, the ribbon cuttings are an opportunity. If you're a chamber member and you expand your business or you become a chamber member and you open a new business, the chamber is there to highlight your business with a ribbon cutting. And it's a pretty big deal, you know, to have the community show up. Did you uh, did you have a little more free time after your your chairmanship ended? Is chairmanship a word? <laughs> it is, yes, and and the answer is yes. Um, you know, one of our our chair elect and I were were talking yesterday about some of the chamber responsibilities as the chair, the chamber chair, and it is it's it's encompassing. Like you you really get really engaged in the community and the issues that are going on, the stuff that everyone sees, and some of the behind the scenes things that that the the chamber has to address and deal with and not all of it is fun but it is all necessary well and you had to you know the pandemic was going on which was an extra headache that's right uh do you feel like we're getting back to normal and did it did it affect you guys at all in your business uh like it has others everybody kind of got affected differently how did it affect your industry so on the electric side while you saw some changes with um, industrial businesses uh, some with commercial from a residential standpoint you see an increase in usage because people are at home home more more, right (laughs) and so it did not negatively impact us the way that i i would have thought that it would um but some of our businesses have not returned and it's from a commercial standpoint some of those doors shut and they won't open again from an industrial standpoint some of the lines were shut down because of workforce issues which is another thing that the chamber helps to address workforce that's a big part of what they do um well hopefully we're slowly getting back to normal here for everybody and 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 hopefully um We'll go around the room one time for some final thoughts, uh, contact information for you. If somebody wants to reach out or do business with you or learn more about the chamber or just uh, anything you want to say about your, your role and your, your job uh, before we wrap things up here. Sure. Yeah. I'll avail myself. Um, C Carter, that's C-C-A-R-T-E-R at southernco.com, S-O-U-T-H-E-R-N-C-O.com. Or you can call me on my work sale, 205-438-8481. You've had that work sell for a while, as you said, because it's, it's the 205. <laughs> That's right. And Tony Ferguson is my replacement, and he's local, and he's in our in our office um, on the third floor in the Dempsey building. I think when people are born from now on, we should get a Social Security number and a cell phone number. <laughs> <laughs> Just stay with us forever. Because you think about it, you've had your cell phone number a long time. Most of us have. Absolutely. Um, okay, Brian, uh, Blood Assurance. Uh who can donate blood? How do y'all? How do you screen on the front end, or what do well, people need to know before they walk in the door? Yeah, we, we have some screening that we do. We we have an interview process that they go through when they come in to donate blood. Then we do a little mini physical where we're checking the blood pressure, pulse, um, checking their uh, hemoglobin, uh, temperature, those kind of things. Um, and so there are people who take certain medicines that would be precluded, certain certain cancers, so forth. Um, but for the most part. Um, most people can donate. Um, it, you'd be surprised to hear that that uh, only six percent of the population gives blood in their lifetime, but ninety four percent of the population will use blood in their lifetime. So that shows you how upside down we are on the the uh, collection model that we have going. And um, so we really need people to come out and and try to give blood with us. Well, and there's some frequently asked questions on your website, as sure. I recall. So Absolutely. like like how old do you have to be and um, to, to well, give 16 with parental consent, um, 17 and up can, can donate without, or just come in and donate. Um, we, we urge everyone to make an appointment, go to our website, bloodassurance.org. 
um, or they can stop in our center right here on Shorter Avenue, and we'll take care of them. We, we, we prefer to get appointments. So that's something we started during COVID, and it really helps us to understand what we have laid out for that day as far as collections are concerned. Um, but uh, we, we're not turning anybody away. How often can a person donate? They can donate red blood cells or donate whole blood every 56 days. Um, we do other procedures that, that have varying uh, times that they can donate. Um, and, and one of our one of the ways that we um, have really tried to manage the blood supply more effectively is we use a process called right time, right technology, right type. And so what we're looking for is what your blood blood type is and what product would be best for our community. So if you come in to donate, um, you, you might come in and think, well, I'm just going to donate blood. We might actually say, hey, we'd like for you to donate um, whole, uh, double red cells, or we might want you to donate plasma, or we might want you to donate platelets, because that's what benefits the community the most. And so we're, we're, we try to be good stewards with the blood supply, and we certainly don't want to have something sit on our shelf that's not used, um, but we want to make sure that we have the products that are needed when the hospitals call for them. Uh, I gave blood one time many years ago, and as I recall, there's a little treat you get at the end or something. Is oh, absolutely. <laughs> we're we're, we're uh, pretty renowned for our, our little Debbies. Yeah. Um, and so, um, so we give little Debbies and Fritos and, uh, you know, the chips and uh, all the Cokes and water, whatever you want to drink. Uh, so we, we have uh, – we're, we're certainly not short on giving that stuff away. In fact, uh, talking about giveaways – um, right now we're doing a, a, a Top Gun related shirt. Um, so, um, it's a, a pretty cool shirt. We're doing that through the 14th. And, um, then on the 16th, we have our, our annual heroes drive with the, um, uh, Roma Floyd County police. And so all of our, our uh, local uh, police units, um, participate in that and they, they compete basically for who can get the most donors to come in their name. Um, and so we do that at the government building, um, you know, and so um, that's a big hit for us every year. And then um, we'll do some, we're going to do some uh, surprise giveaways um, through the rest of the month with um, some bags that we have, uh, cooler bags, and some of them will have uh, gas cards in them. Um, and uh, then uh, the, the first week of July, we'll be giving away uh, baseball-themed T-shirts and Rome Braves tickets. Oh wow! So there's, yeah. there's more than just a little yeah. sweet treat. Hey, we're we're always looking for ways to entice people to come in and and uh, frequent us because, uh, like I said, the the you know we we need every person that can donate to come in and donate. Well, have you seen the new Top Gun? Yeah, no, not no, I haven't yet. I haven't yet. It's awesome. I've heard. Yeah, uh, it's, it's awesome. Um, okay, Steve. Uh, final thoughts from you. Anything coming up, or how can people connect with you and? And uh, learn more about Motivation Unlimited and, and um, use your services. Okay. Yeah, they can connect with me uh, through email, uh, steve at steveadennis.com. And my website, of course, is uh, I have two different websites, stevedennis.org, as well as my leadership website is stevedennisonleadership.com. And that's my affiliation with the John Maxwell team. Um, so what I have coming up basically right now is that I'm working with a lot of different companies who are who are in what we kind of consider crisis mode. So they're bringing me in to bring content that will help them with emotional intelligence as well as uh, communication styles within their leadership as well. So why are they in crisis mode? Crisis mode simply because of the fact over the past couple of years, there has ah. not been a lot of training um, how COVID affected me. I had to kind of turn on, be more online than being in person, being live. And so as a result with not just the workforce, uh, as far as some of the different uh, challenges that we're having within the workforce, as far as people not returning back to work, but the ones who are 
still at work uh, are having a, a overload of issues and personal problems that are affecting that are affecting their leadership and their job titles as well. So they're bringing me in to help to um, again to kind of facilitate that because on the side on Tuesday nights I also facilitate an anger management class for the DA's office. So I kind of incorporate a lot of that kind of content with my leadership as well. And are you your Rome based, but how, where, how far do you travel? Oh, well I'm Rome based, but let, let me give a hint. Okay. I've traveled as far as Tennessee, Florida, Alabama, and Paraguay, South America as well. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, that's, that's quite a reach. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you guys for coming. Cassandra, thank you for coming as well. Uh, Eric, uh, final thoughts from the chamber. You, you mentioned some things you've got coming up. Yep. If you want to re- remind of those, those again. Yes, definitely. Um, the deadline for Leadership Rome applications is June 10th, which is next Friday. And actually, Steve Dennis is going to be doing our leadership development component for our leadership series this this coming up class for the high school and the adults. There we go. We're excited about that. And um, June 9th, actually, this next Thursday, we will have our nonprofit appreciation luncheon. We want to just appreciate our nonprofits and tell them thank you for what they do in our community. Yeah, you guys are busy all the time. Yes. Uh, well, again, thank you so much. Thanks, everybody, for being here. We appreciate it. This has been a very interesting podcast. You've been listening to the Rome Floyd Chamber Small Business Spotlight. We broadcast from the Hardy Realty Studios, and we work in cooperation with the Rome News Tribune. Thank you so much for listening.